0: Awesome, awesome. Hey, um, hey, I wanna, I wanna say really quick, uh, um, before we, before we dive into what we've got planned this morning, uh, man, I just had several conversations uh, in between the nine thirty and eleven fifteen. People coming in this morning, it was just a lot of really, uh, just a, just a lot of pain that you're carrying this morning and a lot of uh, just heavy things. Uh, Praying with some people this morning and and talking to some people out there in the lobby about some things going on in their family, some health situations. And and I just want to say... That um, that that today, even after service, uh, if you need to talk and pray with someone, uh, there are people available. Uh, I'll be at the welcome area. There will be people uh, that we can get together. But but listen, if 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 you walked in here this morning, you just feel like you're carrying something. You know, you are walking through something. A person in your family is walking through something. Uh, don't go through that alone. You don't have to leave today and, and just kind of carry out what you brought in here. We would love to just pray with you, encourage you today, and just serve you any way we possibly can. And so, uh, so if that's you today, if that's you today, uh, we just want to take the time to acknowledge that and to come alongside of you and love you today. And, um, and so, so, man, I'd love to, love to do that uh, after service or just anything at all we can do for you. Uh, just but several people coming up to me after, between the 9.30 and the 11.15. Uh, if you're here for the very first time, you have no idea who I am. My name's Mark, and I'm the lead pastor. Uh, we're excited to have you here today. And uh, hopefully on the back of the seat in front of you is what we call a connection card. It's a red card. And if you're here for the very first time, we got a free gift for you just to say thank you for coming. That's all that it is. That's it is. It's not going to be anything weird or anything like that. Uh, It's just a free gift to say thank you for taking the time out of your Sunday to come into worship with us. All you need to do to get that is take that card to the welcome area. It's there in the lobby. We'll just exchange the gift for the card. And at the end of service, we always try to give a couple of minutes for everybody to fill those cards out. You can let us know anything that God did in your life today and uh, put that in the baskets as they were going around to take up the offering. We would love to know uh, just how God is at work. Uh, in the 930, we saw at least one person we know of raise their hand to say today they're giving their life to Jesus for the very first time in their life. Uh, man, guy, guy in his 20s did that. It was awesome. And, uh, and so uh, so I just believe, man, God's got some really great stuff planned here for today. Now, you came on a really special day, a really, uh, honestly a very different day, uh, to be honest, uh, because um, normally this time, a lot of times I'll get up here and uh, preach. We normally do series, but uh, today we're not doing that. Uh, we're doing something different today. One of the things that we really believe that God has called our church to do is to be what we call a sending church. And what that really means, uh, just to unpack that phrase, sending church, that just simply means that we don't believe that church should be a spectator sport where you come and you sit and watch a few people up on stage and then you leave and then you do it again. We believe that every follower of Jesus has the Holy Spirit living inside of you. You've got gifts and abilities. God wants to use you. And uh, just because maybe I'm the pastor uh, really doesn't mean uh, anything when it comes to the fact that God's given all of his people gifts and God wants to use all of us. Like Megan was saying, uh, everybody that gets up on this stage is just a normal person, not holier than anybody else. They don't glow in the dark or anything like that. Um, But man, we just believe that every follower of Jesus has the Spirit of God, and God wants to use you. And one of the things that that we pray about a lot, we mainly pray about it behind the scenes, um, is that God would lay it on people's hearts uh, just to to say yes to whatever gifting that God has given to them. And so the way that that works out is there's uh, usually a pretty steady stream, actually, of people that come to me and say, Mark, I really feel that God... um, has something for me. I I don't know if it's to be a preacher or or what it is, but Mark, I believe that God's uh, God's given me a message that I need to share. I I believe that God wants to use me in some way like that to speak and to share his word. And so one of the things we do behind the scenes is we try to have opportunities to invest and to pour into uh, guys like that, people like that. And so every once in a while on a Sunday morning, we give them an opportunity to come up here and to preach. And so that's what we're doing today. Uh, In the 9.30 service, uh, there were... uh, two different guys that preached. Daniel Tease over here was one of them. Daniel did an amazing job and uh, is awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. And uh, and Andy Orfig, uh, he preached after Daniel, and it was unbelievable what God did there and just how God brought that together. Now, today in this service, all right, so in this one, it's it's different. All right, so in this service, we got two guys coming up Hunter is, oh, on the drums. He's still hanging out back there watching me from behind. Hunter, um, Hunter's going to come and preach. And then Joe Brooks is going to come preach in just a a second. And so, yeah, man, yeah, man. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Um, A lot of times when I'm up here preaching, some of y'all, on the looks on your face, I can't tell if you're going to jump me in the parking lot or if you are going to go to sleep. Um, and so, uh, so help help these guys out, man. When they get up here, they say something you like, amen them, right? Clap, or at least say, "Sir, I agree." You know, or something. Just give them, give them something, man. Did you know that every single year, I have no idea who does this. Every year, there's a survey done of Americans on their top ten fears. Death is number two. Do you know what number one is? Public speaking is number one every year. So these guys are about to come up here and do something that most people would choose to die for. Uh, choose to die instead of. All right. So not to heap up some pressure on them, but I'm just saying. All right. So uh, so yeah, it's a big deal to get up and to do this stuff. So man, let them know that you're with them. All right. So Hunter's gonna come, and so Hunter's gonna come, and then Joe is gonna come. And I just want you guys to celebrate with them and to encourage them. This is a big deal that people in our church are just following the call of God and saying, God. God, if this is a gift that you've given me, I want to say yes to it and see what happens. I love that we do things like this as a church. This is one of my favorite things that we do is just is to invest in the people who are here and see how God uses them, all right? So I'm gonna pray for Hunter, and then he's gonna come and preach for an hour and 30 minutes. Let's pray, let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for Hunter and Joe, God, as they come today, just to share your word, God, to share their heart. And Father, I pray that, God, you would uh, speak to them and through them. God, you have tailor-made these messages, just like in the 930. You tailor-made those two sermons for the people in the 930. I believe you've tailor-made what we're about to hear for the people in the 1115, for all of us here today. So, God, speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody give it up for Hunter.
1: So, one thing that Mark did a few weeks ago, and it has really changed my life in the past two weeks, is to slow down, take time to just slow down and just stop. And so that's what I want to do right now for all of us, because uh, what I usually do is I'll do it in the morning before I start my day, and then I'll do it the last thing at night before I go to bed. And so right now, I just want us to just have about a minute of silence just to talk to God, just to stop everything that's going on in our minds, because I, I know it's easy to come in here on a rush, get in on Sunday, and then leave, go to eat, and then just start the week. So I really want us to just take a time and stop and just prepare our hearts for God. So let's just take about a minute. God, I pray that you just open up all of our hearts, all of our minds, all of our spirits, that so we just be so receptive to you. Jesus, I pray that anything that I say be all from you, God. Shut my mouth, but open yours. I pray that what you say impacts our hearts, and it just encourages people to go out and make a change in the city. Let's be receptive for you today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So my name is Hunter Spurlock, I'm 18 years old, and I am a freshman in college, which means that I know the pressure of knowing, you're supposed to know, what you want to do for the rest of your life right now, 18 years old. And so, for other people it's easy, I can't do that. To me, it's just such a, such a big decision. But I know I have friends who like are setting up their basics right now just so they can go straight into their career, and it just fascinates me. And I wish I could do that. But I feel like God has another plan for me. And so, um, I remember in kindergarten, we were talking about what we wanted it to be. And there were some, like, crazy things. To me, there were crazy things. So, one person said they wanted to be a doctor, which is pretty cool. A lawyer and then someone said they wanted to be president, which is a huge task. But then the, the fourth one got me because they said they wanted to be a unicorn. And to me, that doesn't really make sense. That's impossible. But that's exactly what God wants us to realize is that kids have the faith that anything can happen. They believe that they can become anything they want to be if they set their minds to it. They just believe it with their whole hearts. And somehow, as we grew up, we accepted this reality that it doesn't work like that. Now, I'm not saying we can become unicorns if we want to, but I'm just saying that we need to stop accepting the world reality and start accepting God's reality. And that is that anything is possible through him. And, you know, there's going to be a point that we have to reach to where um, scripture stops becoming words on a page. And it's things that we believe. It's promises that get us through our day. It's promises that get us to our destination. And that is that anything is possible through God. And so, um, let's see, there is a picture I took. It's going to look familiar, right th- that right there. So, to back that story up, about a month, or I think it was maybe graduation night, uh, my youth leader, Asina Harvey, gave me this journal, and it says, Follow Your Own Path. And it was kind of weird, because before that, I kind of got a little word about a pioneer You know, pioneers make their way. They make a way for others to follow. And so I was just driving down the road one day, and I looked over to my right, and that is right after you pass Food City. It looks different now because, you know, they're clearing out more, but that was right after Food City. And I just looked at it and I was like, wow, that's what it is to be a pioneer. You're making a way where there was no way, you're making a way for others to follow. And it's not going to be easy, and as we know, as a community, it's not going to happen overnight because that road can be frustrating because it teaches us, just like God has spoke to Mark and me and other people, that we need to slow down. We can't go at our own pace in the area of construction. And so, um, yeah, so to be a pioneer, you have to knock mountains down. You have to cut down trees. You have to redirect traffic. You have to clean up debris. There's this lot to, that becomes a pioneer, and we expect it to happen overnight whenever that's when a new lesson comes of patience, and that's something that God's been teaching me since the beginning of the year is this patience, and you know, last night I work, uh, I work at a, a fun center, and so there's just kids everywhere, kids screaming all the time, and you know, I'm usually not a kid person, but this has taught me to be a kid person, you know. <laughs> And so, one girl looked at me last night. She said, "Man, you must have the patience of Job to do this job." And I was just like, "I don't, I don't, I don't really have the real patience, but I'm learning." And so, um, yeah, I just believe that God is wanting us to be pioneers. You know, like Mark says all the time, certain positions isn't for certain people in the church; it's for all of us. And so, um, this past week, I've been on a little out call. Uh, business field trip, I was with my best friend, Haley, I see her right there, Uh, I told her that I feel like I'm on a business field trip because uh, I kept going from locally open business, like from one to another, and one was her mom's shop, and I was asking her stuff about how it went and how it started and all that, just to, you know, see what it was like, and I hope she don't mind me sharing this, but she just said that she wished she'd done it sooner, and, you know, she spent so much of her time not doing that, not doing what she wanted to do. And, you know, I don't want to be like that. I don't want anybody else to be like that. I'm so glad that she's finally doing something that she loves because I was watching her, and she wasn't just opening a store for people to come in and buy stuff, but she was opening a ministry because I was listening to her, like, share, talk about God, share stuff about her story. The thing she sells in there reflects God. And I think that's something that God wants us all to do. You know, he's not calling all of us to be business people. He's calling us all to be um missionaries, but in our town or in other countries or just whatever. He wants us all to have ministries in our own way. And so, um, yeah, so I was listening to her. And then I went to uh, my job, which is another locally uh, owned business. And we were talking a lot about business last night. And he was just telling me, like, everything about how it went and all that. And he said that um, in the start of it, God just blessed him. He blessed him with the building. He blessed him with a property. He keeps getting uh, things to add into the business. He's getting uh, uh, appliances and everything. And it's just helping the business sprout. And he said that it's all from God. He said he couldn't have done this without God. And what he said was the root of that was he was giving through offering. And that just blew my mind because a lot of the times we feel like offering is just, you know, giving money for a church. But just like Mark says all the time too, offering isn't just supporting a church, it's supporting people. It's supporting the community, and we just don't see it like that. And it just blew my mind because offering isn't, like I said, isn't just something that we do to support the church. But it's us letting go of money, which can seem to control our lives and what we do with our lives. And just it's letting go of what controls our life, and allows for who controls our life to walk in And so um, I want to encourage us to, you know, give today because, like I said, it's letting go of what controls us. And it's just letting God just take it wherever he wants. And I really believe today that God has given us dreams, all of us dreams. You know, if we've left them at some point to walk in the reality of life, I feel like God sent me here today, gave me this word today to tell you to not abandon what you're doing right now, but to go back and pick up your dream and bring it with you. I feel like he is going to use all of our dreams in this community to revive its spirit because I hear things all the time all the time that you know, you can't do this because you don't have enough money, you can't do this because you don't have enough ambition, you can't do this because the city cannot support it. But again, anything is possible through God, and if it's a God dream, he's going to see it come through. And if you walk with God through the entire process, it's going to sprout. You can't do anything on your own. And so um, I was reading this through, uh, through scripture, and I found this, and it says, Proverbs 2, 7 through 8, he holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in blame, who, whose walk is blameless, for he guards the course of the just and protects the way of the faithful ones. And so as long as we just stay faithful, as long as we stay with him through the entire walk, as long as we just count on him when times get tough instead of looking at the bills or looking at what's failing, it's all going to work out. It's not going to be easy, but it's all going to work out. It's not going to be overnight like that road work, but it's all going to work out. It's all going to have a path for others to take. And so I'm going to pray us out and welcome Joe. But right now I just want us all, while I'm praying, to just think about dreams that we've uh abandoned at some point, and I want you guys to ask God to maybe bring that back up, revive it back. So bow your heads with me. Jesus, I pray that the dreams that we've left behind while accepting the world reality just comes back in our minds, comes back in our spirit, and that you just begin to show us what you want to do through us what you're going to do to the city through us. You've given us dreams. They're your dreams. They're God's dreams, which means that nothing can stand in the way of them. God, I pray your Holy Spirit just give us the ambition. Give us the nerve. Give us the boldness just to go after those. I pray your Holy Spirit just protect us, and it just comforts us, and it reminds us each time we want to give up, each time we don't see the dream flourishing. God, I pray that you use our dreams, you use your dreams to revive this city. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
2: Hey, guys, give Hutter another great hand there. That was amazing. Absolutely amazing. That's, uh, guys, that's truly one special young man right there. Um, just to introduce myself, my name is Joe Brooks. I am the serve group leader for serve group, serve group five. And uh, I want to thank Mark uh, for just giving all four of us an opportunity. Uh, there's probably no more of an unselfish pastor than Mark Combs. If you ever get to know him, you'll truly believe that he has a heart for this community and a heart for this church. So guys, give your pastor a hand on that. Guys, as I was going through my sermon, and I was going through a lot of things, I even texted Mark. Mark texted me yesterday saying he was praying for me, stuff like that. I said, Mark, I've actually changed this thing a little bit. So hopefully I've changed it the right way, and it really goes ties in a little bit of what Hunter was saying. So what I want to do is I want to challenge you with a question I'm about to ask you, and it's this. Do you remember when you first gave your heart to Jesus Christ? Think about that for just a moment. When you first gave your heart to Jesus Christ, you had that elation. You had that joy and you had that peace. You called everybody you knew. You sit there and say, Mom, you know, Dad, I, you know, I've, I've gave my heart to Jesus, you know. And when I did that, uh, I, I told my uncle, I said, man, yeah, man, i give my heart to Jesus Christ. He said, you staying out of bars? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, he said, well, as long as you stay out of the bars, you're fine. So uh, he really didn't give me all that much encouragement, you know. Yeah, good job, Uncle. I appreciate that. So as time went by, your joy, the joy when you first gave your heart to Jesus Christ, has it faded a little bit, you know, as it fades, as it goes along. And then all of a sudden, you start missing church for some special events. And then you start missing church regularly and just go every other Sunday to the point where you're just not in church altogether that you've, you've lost that joy that you've had by serving God. Now, the message that I have entitled is Joy and Circumstance. And I've realized more than anything through this sermon, and I'm going to go over this at the end as well, is in any circumstance that we have, we can truly have joy because we serve a true and living God. So, we're going to go keeping from what's having joy in your life. And as Christians, how can we be joyous to somebody else? So before I do that, what I want to do is I want to give you some examples of what joy looks like. So if y'all want to look to the screen, look at that guy right there. That guy right there is Buddy the Elf, played by Will Ferrell. Any man who can eat spaghetti and maple syrup is my kind of guy. I love him dearly. The next one is a kid at Christmas. This kid's like, oh. Mommy and Daddy, for the pony. And I know some of you teenagers are like, Thank you, Mommy and Daddy, for buying me Fortnite and a 12-pack of Red Bull. And the third one, that's all y'all right there. That ain't me. I'm a West Virginia Mountaineer fan. That's all y'all right there. One of these days, you guys are going to learn how to throw the forward pass, I promise you. <laughs> so, what we'll do now is we'll go into the 15th chapter of the book of Romans, and what i want to do is I'm going to briefly describe what happens in the book of Romans. Book of Romans, chapter 15, talks about serving others. Even Jesus didn't come onto this earth to be served to serve to be served, but he came to this earth to serve others. And what they do is went through it, and the Apostle Paul in the Epistle to the Romans clearly explains this in the thirteenth 15th chapter of the book of Romans, verse 13. It said, May the God of hope fill you with all the joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let us bow our heads for just a moment. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus as a vessel of your mercy and an example of your grace. Thanking you, Father, for what you've done for this church. And thank you, Father, for what you've done to this community. Lead us and guide us in the rest of this service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What I want to do is I want to go briefly through two things that we can do in order to help others get their joy and also what God has commanded us to do to bring joy to ourselves. And the first one I want to go through is to be compassionate for the lost and undone. Scripture tells us in Luke 15, 7 that... I tell you in the same way that there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than the other 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. John Holbrook, it's an amazing song. Reckless Love is just an amazing song. And it really stirs your heart. And what I'm saying is having compassion to someone who is wondering what Christ is about may be the only true example that person may have in seeing what Christ is. We have to realize that everything that we do, even for the lost and the undone, and also for someone who is saved, we have to watch what we do. We have to watch how we talk to them, on how we minister to them. What we basically have to do is we have to minister love and hope and joy that Jesus Christ gave us. Having compassion to someone who's wondering about Christ and about being Christ-like may be the reason that they don the doors of a church house and eventually become believers in Christ. Your light may be the only light that person sees. Be a witness to those people. The second thing real quick that I'm going to go through is be a source of strength to those Christians who are troubled. They were talking in the first service. Man, it, I'm telling you, this week this week. By Wednesday, I wasn't responsible for my actions. And by Saturday, I was ready to get into the UFC octagon with Brock Lesnar. That's truth. That's truth. And if anybody don't say that they ain't had that kind of wig, probably ain't telling you the truth. But Megan said something, you know, saying, you know, Sunday this morning, I just didn't feel it. I felt the exact opposite. I said, praise God, it's Sunday. Sunday. Praise God that I get the opportunity to come to church, the church that Jesus Christ died on the cross for. That is something that can truly change your life. Christian walk is not the easiest walk. And being a believer doesn't mean that all your problems go away. Being a source of strength for a fellow Christian in their time of need may be the reason that they continue to move forward and move on with their life. Let your life be an encouragement to other Christians. Folks, when I think about those two things, what I think about is second chance mission. Second chance mission is an opportunity for folks who are in need. But this church is actually doing a thing by giving to those who are less fortunate. And that is something that Jesus not only prophesied about, that's what he said he's done. Matthew 5.16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds, and glorify your Father in heaven. Powerful words written in the book of Matthew. So what I want to do is, this is something that uh, I worked on this week. Actually, I haven't slept really for two days. God brought it to me on F- Friday, Friday night. I was sitting there laying in the bed. I had a different story to talk about my dad. If you guys don't know my dad, my dad passed away in 1993. But to give you any idea who he is, you would take Joe Brooks, Tony Brashear, Sean Stamper a little bit, and former Indiana coach Bobby Knight. That's my dad. My dad was the funniest human being on the face of this earth, but he would not be afraid to throw a chair at you. I'm a little bit like it, But... What he was, he was a very, for a guy who had an eighth grade education, he was very profound. He was an assistant pastor at a church in Mallory, West Virginia. And if you all know where Mallory, West Virginia is, I've got you $5 at the door. It's in a small town in eastern Logan County, a very impoverished town. And he was an assistant pastor at a church, what they call in Gilman Bottom. So if you know where that is, I'll give you 20 bucks. But anyway, my dad had been fighting cancer, he was diagnosed somewhere in 1991, 92. He'd had it for a few years ago. And my dad, I, I actually I'm going to to read this story because I really haven't even really, you know, went over it or rehearsed it. It's just God is what he brought to me. So here it is. The original story that I was going to share with you about my father was a real funny story. Is about this woman I was going to call her Miss Parker who was the opposite of joyous. But i will share that with you another time. But God laid it on my heart to share another story that has a lot more meaning. What I'm about to share with you, I have never shared with anyone in my life. It was somewhat of a cool late March day in March of 1993, approximately two weeks after the blizzard of 1993, dumped about four foot of snow across the area in southern West Virginia. My dad had been home for a day or two, and he was going through some extensive cancer treatments during the blizzard. At that time, he'd been fighting this battle for approximately three years. And he was given an initial diagnosis during that three period that he was only going to have six months to live. But no, my dad, he was just too hungry to die. He, He wasn't going to go anywhere anytime soon. My mother and my grandmother had went down to the grocery store and I had stayed home to watch dad, which was normal. Because, you know, Dad always had to have somebody there with him at all times to, to help him, you know, walk him to the bathroom, go, you know, get him whatever he wanted. So, that wasn't anything out of the ordinary. They left about 10 minutes later. I said, Daddy, you need anything? He said, yeah, let's go sit on a porch. Nothing unusual. Daddy liked going sitting on the porch. He liked He built that porch with his own hands, and he liked sitting on it. So... I lifted him up, and I really, he walked, but at that point, he was about 75 to 80 pounds. He, he was barely able to do anything for himself. Cancer had just completely ravaged his body. So I carried him to the porch, and I set him in his favorite green cushion chair. I set him down. And he had his ice water in a, co- a hospital cup. You know, them hospital cups that have the straws. He had ice and water. He had his oxygen machine. He had to have his oxygen machine at that time. He has a pack of Salem cigarettes. He decided that he wasn't going to smoke Bel Airs anymore because they were too expensive, so he switched to Salem's. And he had a butane lighter that my Aunt Phyllis gave him. (laughs) You guys in the medical profession know that oxygen, cigarettes, and a butane lighter... You know, my my dad was (laughs) rubbish with cancer, but we may have been blown up on that porch. (laughs) Anyway, so I asked dad how the doctor's visit went. And of course, imagine a frail man, probably not having a whole lot of muscle, anywhere between 75 and 80 pounds. This is the Joe Brooks in him. I asked him how the the doctor's office office visit went. He said, yeah, it went good. Doctor said I weighed too much. He's put me on more of a balanced diet. I said, Dad, that's not very funny at all. I said, tell me how it went. And I asked him in a real calm voice. He said, not good. It spread six months, maybe. And he gave me a smile and he gave me a wink. Which means, I you do little calculations with my dad. When he says six months and a wink, it's usually probably about six to eight weeks. But I figure he's a little bit too ornery, so... I figure he had a few months to live. And as he takes another draw, that Salem cigarette and his oxygen machine was maxed out. And the wind in the springtime was real cool in southern West Virginia. So that basically tells you he probably had pneumonia waiting on him. And he was, had something that was really profound. I am as happy as I've ever been in my life. Imagine a man who'd had the diagnosis that eventually was going to take him out. And he said, I am as happy as I've ever been in my life. I asked him how, why. He said the following, if this had happened to me 20 years ago, I'd have been alone, no family, and no Jesus. Jesus. If my fate had been decided 10 years ago, he couldn't have been able to call Jesus Christ his personal Savior. Because in April of 1984, my mother and father were both baptized in Mallory, West Virginia, in basically a fishing hole. And I've got that picture, and that's probably one of the most precious pictures that I have, is my mother and father both going to the waters of baptism in April of 84. He said, but it's 1993. My fate is already set. I am I have a woman that loves me unconditionally, that would be my mother. You boys will have to carry it on. He was priming me from what he was going to say next. My mom, which would be his grandmother, I mean, oh, actually, my grandmother would be his mom, is around to help y'all. And listen to this. And I have a heavenly father that loves me, even though I don't deserve it. Imagine that. man ravaged four-stage cancer. He said, I don't even deserve the life I've got now. As I sit there and a tear started running out my face, my dad said, you stop that boy and you listen to me. That's the Bobby Knight in him. You stop it and you listen to me. There are three things in this conversation you don't remember. I want you to remember this. And before I tell you the first one, I want to tell you this. When I was growing up, Pretty much A's in school, but I got a C in handwriting, and I can't draw. Stick men are probably well far advanced of what I can do, and I also had a problem with color. I couldn't color. I had one crayon. Some of it's dark blue, some of it's light blue, some of it's teal. Same crayon. I can't color, and I can't color inside the lines. No idea. I don't know if it's just something in my brain, but I can't color inside the lines. But my dad said, the first thing he said is, always color outside the lines. And he gave me that grin, and he gave me that wink. Being a Christian is not about coloring inside the lines. It's about going out and helping others a lot more than just yourself. So coloring outside the lines is basically what I do in business today, is to try to be different. And as as children of Christ, we are different. Second thing he said was, take care of your mama because she's always taking care of me. He even through this battle said, Dorothy, you need to go do something else. He said, you know, I'm I'm sitting there and I'm going through this battle. She said, you're 31 years old. You can't be doing this. You're, You're taking your whole life and you're doing it for me. Don't do that my mother was faithful and she always said that she would take care of him until the last breath of her body and the third third thing he said was no matter your circumstances in life have peace and joy knowing that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior he always pointed out no matter what circumstances he had in his life that as long as you have Jesus Christ as your personal Savior any circumstance you can have joy in he ended this conversation with this. At that time, he proceeded to tell me, I've decided to end this nonsense, which means that he has decided that he was no longer going to take cancer treatments. He decided that his, his fate was set and he was ready to meet our Lord. I want you to know, and this is what he was telling me, I want you to know it's going to get weird from here on out. But here's my thing. You're my guy and I love you, and I'm proud of you, is what he told me. From this point forward, there are no sadness, there's no crying, just happiness, joy, and love. From that point forward, there was not a, until the day he died, on that love seat, June 13, 1993, that household, there was no sadness, no crying. When people come over and they decide they want to shed a tear, they shed a tear on the porch. They weren't going to shed a tear in the house. Because my father's fate was already set in April of 1984 when he gave his heart to Jesus Christ. Cancer took him from this earthly body. But he no longer lives here. He lives in heaven. At the right hand of the Father. I tell you that to tell you this. Jesus Christ didn't make the ultimate sacrifice of dying on the cross of Calvary. For you to be sad, mad, and angry. He did it because he loves you. Your joy and my joy may be so different. My joy probably would be eating spaghetti with maple syrup. Because I like sugar. Your joy may be different. You may not be the rambunctious joy. But your joy may consist of peace and love and understanding for someone. So Jesus Christ didn't die on a cross to do that. What he wants us to do is today is, first of all, accept him as your personal Savior and also use the joy and love that Jesus Christ gives you to help others. Guys, I thank you all very much, and I love you all. Thank you.
0: Hey man, that was awesome, wasn't it? Man, give it up for those guys again, man. I love that. Man, that's awesome, man. Praise God. Now I love Joe. Listen, if you don't know Joe Brooks, y'all, y'all are missing out. How you're living? You're not living right if you don't know Joe, man. I'll tell you what, but I tell you what, this is about Joe Brooks. Listen, if Joe Brooks comes up to you and gives you a hug, you better get ready. Your ribs are not gonna make it through. You're gonna lose a couple. It's gonna hurt. Uh, and speaking of hugs, uh, Hunter loves hugs. Just give him all of that right after. He loves it. He loves just let a line right up here. He is, folks, after church today. He would just bless his heart. All right. Man, um, man, I just. Uh, I, I had something planned at the end of this that, that, I, that I was going to say. And in the 930 service, man, what those guys said was so strong. I didn't want to say anything and take it away. I just wanted those things to stand. And I really want to do the exact same thing in the 1115. I don't want to say anything to mess up or take away just what God spoke through Hunter and Joe just now. And you might be here today. And, man, I was really, all jokes aside, man, I was convicted as I was sitting there. And I was like, man, there are some, there are some things that I have stopped dreaming about. That God gave me, and I just walked away from it for some reason or another. And man, God used you today, Hunter. Man, I just thank you for that word, man. I just love that. Maybe that's you today, you know? Maybe that's you. Maybe, maybe there was something in your life that, God, I was, I was going to do this. I was going to try this. And for some reason or another, you walked away from it, and God didn't tell you to walk away. And and God tells us to have faith like a child, and so God might be speaking to you today. Hey, I want you to start to believe again. I want you to start dreaming again. Or you, might, God, it might have been the message that Joe gave you that that you might be walking through something right now, and you are just you are just bitter. You're angry. It makes no sense. And man, Paul in the Book of Philippians is in a jail cell, and he writes, "Rejoice always." And so there. There is a supernatural joy, it seems. And Joe was talking about it. There is a supernatural joy that I can have, that we can have, that is outside of our circumstances. Amen? Amen, I God can give you that. God can give you that. And so maybe today you need to go to God and say, God, I want to choose joy. I want to choose joy, not think about what I don't have or what I could have or what's going to happen tomorrow, Jesus. I want to have joy today. And so would you just bow your head and close your eyes, and let's just go to the Lord in prayer. And Father, I, just one of, the, one of the things we've said all morning long, God is is you have tailor made these messages, God. You have tailor made today. The nine thirty did not hear what the eleven fifteen just did, and so Father, it's no accident. It's no accident that we're in, that we're in this service. And Father, I pray for people who are here and for some reason or another, they stopped dreaming. They walked away from a God dream, a God vision, and maybe everyone told them to walk away, but you didn't tell them to do that. You're telling them to pick it back up again, and you're telling them to dream again. You're telling them to have faith. You're telling them to believe that there is nothing impossible with you again. And and so just with every single head bowed, With every eye closed, if that's you today, if you would say, you know what, there is, I used to have this dream. I used to have this thing that I, I thought God gave it to me. I thought, I thought it was from God and and I don't really know why I walked away. But God's telling me to dream again. God's telling me to believe again. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right now so we can just pray for you today. There's, just put your hands up. Hands are going up all over this room. Just put your hands up high if that's you. Anyone else, that's you today. God is just telling you to dream. God's just telling you to believe again. Father, I just pray for every single person that God has lifted their hands or God, those who have not, just to say, Father, there was a point when I believed. There was a point when I was, I was dreaming some things. I pray you'd help us to dream Again, I pray your spirit would so move that you would just release dreams in this church. God, release visions in this church of what you would want us to do. God, dreams for our families, for our marriages, for for a business that maybe already exists or is going to exist, for, for a relationship or something that we're in. Maybe we don't even need to be in it. God, a dream for our life. We've never even thought of that, God. And today, you would just speak to us that you have a dream for our lives. You might be here today in the middle of some kind of situation and circumstance, and joy seems impossible for you. It, It just seems like something you would love to have, but you cannot grab it Or maybe it's constantly out there for you. I've been there. It's, you know what, I'll have joy. I'll be happy when I get here. I'll have joy when we get here. I'll have joy when this happens. And then you get it, and then it's something else. And then it just becomes this on and on, this never-ending cycle of there's no contentment or joy in our lives. We're not settled and satisfied with the Lord because we're constantly looking at other things and Jesus, we need to choose joy. We, we choose it by faith. We need to choose joy. And just in this moment of prayer, is there anybody that would say, that's me? Mark, would you just pray? Would you pray that God would give me the faith to choose joy, even in the middle of what I'm going through right now, even in the middle of where I am? But would you pray that God would give me the faith to choose joy? Put your hand up high. Let me see it right now. Man, all kinds of hands in this room today. Father, Right there, would you meet us right there, right there at the place where it seems like joy is so desired, but it just keeps running through our fingers? Right there at the place of broken dreams, God, would you meet us right there? You, you seem to be so good at that, God. You you meet us right there in our brokenness and our hurt at the cross. You meet us right there, and and so Father, I pray that Jesus, we would begin to choose joy. We would begin to cultivate joy. We would, we would think about how, God, in Christ, we're sons and daughters, how our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, how we're forgiven, how, God, you've set us free from darkness and brought us into the kingdom of light. And, Father, we have every reason in Christ to rejoice exceedingly right now. Heaven is our future. We're coming to you, but God, we have every reason to praise you and choose joy right now. It may not look good on the outside, but God, we have every reason in Christ to choose joy and to dream again. So God, help us to do it today. And you might be here, and listen, dreaming that God God has something for your life, a vision for your life, marriage, whatever it might be, having that, having this kind of supernatural joy that Joe talked about, you can't have any of that without first having Jesus Christ as a reality in your life. It's impossible to have everything they talked about without Jesus. And so do you have a relationship with Jesus today? I'm not asking you if you're a good person. I'm not asking you if you believe that God exists or that he's real. I'm asking you right now, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Is he your Lord and Savior? Is he your friend? Because can I tell you, he wants to be. And right there where you're sitting, it might listen, you might've came today And this was not on your radar, but something is happening inside of you. And would you just forget about the friends that you came with? Would you forget about the family that you came with? And for a moment, realize this is a moment between you and God, the God of the universe. And if you need him in your life today. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And so if you go to God today just as you are and confess, Jesus, I've sinned, but Jesus, you love me and I need you. If you do that, you will not leave today perfect, but I promise you'll leave changed. And so if you need to do that today, I just want to help you express what God might be doing in your heart. And so if you need to give your life to Jesus, you want to make that decision today. I'm going to pray and I ask you to pray this prayer with me right there where you sit. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me today. Be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for loving me. For dying for me and coming back from the dead for me. I love you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. Now, no one is looking.